Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Today about uh, you need you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. So if you get your Bibles out, let's get ready for that. There is a call on the body of Christ to endure Endure trials, endure testing, endure in long-suffering. I believe this is a message that's paramount for all those who say they're followers of Jesus. We have need of endurance. Endurance. We need to endure. I don't, a lot of the church is not prepared to endure. They're, they're prepared for lunch. They're not prepared for persecutions and tribulations. They're prepared for just having a good time, have a good song, have a good talk, and let me go home, and I'll see you next Sunday. That's not the gospel of our Bible. The gospel of our Bible is preparing us that we're followers of Jesus to the very end, and we need to be prepared what's coming on the earth. If we study the Bible, read the Bible, and apply the Bible to our life, difficult times are coming for Christians. That's not to be discouraging, that's to be informative. There's a difference, big difference. So we want this body to be prepared for adversity, not shocked by adversity. That we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Well, that means we're going to have to conquer some things. We are overcomers because we're going to have to come over some stuff. So we're just giving him the glory for that. And uh, let's jump right into this today. Uh, we love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church, and we get a little excited about it, so you might want to excuse your neighbor here for just a moment as we open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. These people are crazy. Crazy for Jesus. That's, amen. Hebrews chapter 10. Sermon notes are available in the Version Bible app if you'd like to Download those and follow along. Note takers are world changers. Our vision here is to connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. So we want you to get connected with him. I'm going to start reading in verse 32 if you're ready. Mount Carmel, hope you're ready. Carlinville, let's do it. It says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated... You endured, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Hold on, I want to pray. Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you just open our eyes to see clearly. Burn in our hearts your word today, God. That it be more than a talk, a sermon, or message, but God, I pray there be a word straight from you. Help us to see things we've never seen before. I pray for clarity of understanding and revelation through the teaching of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 33. So we endured a great struggle with sufferings after we were illuminated, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. What the Bible is telling us here is that some of the struggles you're dealing with because of your own decisions, your own belief, because of the reproaches and tribulations that you went through because of your own uh, faith in God, and secondly, partly because you became companions with those that were also treated. Something that's going to happen, we're, all, we're not going to face tribulations just for what we believe, but some of it's going to happen because of people we associate with. There's going to be a test that comes to who do you choose to associate with. If you associate with them, you will have these consequences. That's what the Bible's telling us. Happened already then, it's going to happen again. 
Verse 34, for you had compassion on me. This is the writer of Hebrews talking to them. You had passion on me in my chains, in my chains. He's not talking about a necklace. (laughs) He's talking about prison. I was in prison because of my faith. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, your possessions. You lost your possessions knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Why did you gladly accept the loss of all your earthly possessions? Because you realize you had an enduring possession in heaven that's better than what you have on earth. Why are we willing to give up whatever on earth? Because we know there's something better in heaven. There's something better. That word enduring there is the Greek word meno, which means to stay, remain, abide, to continue. So it's talking about you have a staying possession in heaven, a remaining possession. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to leave you. It's waiting on you. It's an abiding possession. He said, you were willing to give up everything here because you knew there was something waiting for you in heaven. This enduring possession. So now let's go on. Verse 35. Because, therefore, because you recognize you have this enduring possession in heaven, therefore, because of that, do not... Cast away, throw away, let go of your confidence. Remember I said this in the previous message. You have to go back and watch and catch up. I can't preach them over and over and over. Your confidence is, I'm just saying I can't get everybody up to date for the first time. Your confidence is not a feeling. I talked about that. There's a Greek word that does not mean feeling. It's talking about your ability to boldly declare or speak, which has great reward. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You have need of endurance. The word need there means that you, uh, something that is necessary but is currently lacking. So the writer of Hebrews is talking to these believers and he says, listen, you have need of endurance. He's saying this is something that you are currently lacking, but it is necessary. And I believe this message holds true. We could say it to the Western world, to the, to the American church. We have need of endurance. We've got to be able to endure. We've got to be able to handle some adversity and some opposition. How many people do you know, how many friends you know, maybe you've been in this situation, I've been in this situation, that at one point they're in church on fire for God, doing what God wants them to do, everything's going well, and then for whatever reason, poof, they're gone. What happened? A number of things could have happened. What happens to us? And a lot of things going. But we've got to be able to endure difficult times. And this is what he says. You have need of endurance. The word endurance there is, a, is not just the word meno like it was before, but this is the word hupo meno. Meno, remember, means to abide, to stay, persist. Hupo means under or yielded to, submitting to something greater. So now you have need of what? You have need of endurance. So what is he saying? You have need of the ability to stay, to abide, to stick with something because you're submitted and yielded to something greater. I'll submit to you that I don't believe our problem in the American church, I don't think our problem is the ability to stay or remain as much as it is our difficulty in submitting or yielding to something greater. It's one thing for us to want Jesus to be our Savior. In other words, I want to pray a prayer and I want to go to heaven. 
I don't know many people who don't want that gig. But it's another thing for Jesus to be Lord, like he's calling the shots, like I submit or yield to him. Because the reason we're not enduring at times is because we're not willing to stay under and stay there, stick into it and stick through it, don't go anywhere, don't move, don't budge, because God told me to stay. My feelings told me to run. My feelings told me to get offended and get out of there. My feelings told me this. My fear told me that. I told myself I've got permission and justification to do all this. My friend told me I had permission and justification. They said if they were me, they would do it. So I said, good, I'm going to do it. But God said, no. That's a different story. It's a different story. When I feel like and I want to do something, you tell me I can. Chad, I'm telling you, I would do that. And God says, no. Stay put. God, it hurts. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to get out. Stay put. Why? Because I'm building something in you. I'm working something in you. A lot of times we squirm out of something God's trying to work through us. Because he's building character in us. He's, he's building something in us and we want to squirm out of it because it hurts a little bit. He said, listen, I, you have need of endurance, Chad. You have need of the ability to stay, to stay under, to continue to hold your ground despite difficult circumstances. So now, last time we talked about this, I started giving you three keys of enduring faith. I gave you the first one, so you're going to have to go back and watch that service. The first key was source. First key was source. Without the word in our hearts as our source, we will not endure. Okay, we need the word of God as our source. Not what somebody else said, we need what God said. I won't endure because you tell me. You won't endure because I tell you. You will endure because God told you. Because when I, well, I already preached this, never mind, go on. That's the first key, first key. Second key that we will talk about today. Hmm. I like the first key, though. I'm still wanting to talk about the first key. We don't have time. Second key is endur to endurance is scope. Everybody say scope. 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 Scope is about focus. So here's what I want to talk about today. Here's one of the challenges that we have in enduring faith and enduring in general is because we, are, we have a struggle staying focused. Look at your neighbor and say, stay focused. Don't doze off. Don't nod off. Pay attention. I will call you out. I'm just kidding. Kind of. Scope. 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 I won't call you out. If I call people out for sleeping, I would be calling people out on the regular. Scope. I'm not offended, though. I'm not offended. Scope. Everybody say scope. scope. All right, look at verse 36. It says, for you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the what? The, the promise. So after we've done the will of God, we will receive the promise. So if we're not careful, what we can make this scripture about is me doing what God tells me to do, how he tells me to do it. I go through all the religious hoops so that I can get the promise, the answer to my prayer, the healing, the provision, the miracle, the whatever. But if we we'll look at the next verse, it's important for us to get perspective on what the promise is ultimately talking about. Now understand the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 about that we've been given exceedingly precious promises that through these we can become partakers of the divine nature. But, but look what it says, that you may receive the promise, verse 37, for yet a little while and he 
who is coming will come and will not tarry. You may receive the promise, colon, for yet a little while, and he who's coming will come. I want to submit to you this morning that we need to remember that the promise, the reward for our life is Jesus. Amen. It's not what he'll do for me, it's him. I will not endure, you will not endure if we make the promise about what Jesus will give us. Here's why, here's why, here's why we struggle with that. Because when things don't play out like we want them to play out like we thought they should play out, then we get disappointed, we get discouraged, and we forget that Jesus is the promise and the reward regardless of what happens. If I keep my scope, keep my focus on Jesus, should I pray for things? Should I receive things? Should I believe for things? Absolutely. I believe in that wholeheartedly. But if I'm going to endure long term, the Bible says those who endure to the end will be saved. If I'm going to endure, I have to be willing to go through seasons of my life when I thought something would go this way and it went that way. That I prayed, I believed, I did everything that I know to do, and something did not go the way I wanted. If the thing that he's supposed to give me that I'm praying for, that I'm staying up for, that I'm doing all those, if that is the promise, then when it doesn't happen, I could turn my eyes off of him and get discouraged and look somewhere else. And this is what's happened too many times in church. People made other people too much emphasis instead of Jesus. Jesus is the promise. We got to keep our scope. We got to keep our focus. Turn one page to the right to Hebrews chapter 12. It's page 1435 if you got my Bible. 1435. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 1. Everybody say scope. scope. So we got to keep our focus. We got to keep our focus. Verse 12, or sorry, verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so we got a lot of witnesses. What are the witnesses? Hebrews chapter 11. Read through Hebrews chapter 11. He said, all these people, these are our witnesses. What they went through, what they did, what they overcame by faith. Mm, they're our witnesses. Because of them, let us, let us. This is a choice. This is an assignment for you and for me. It's what we're supposed to do. Let us lay aside, lay aside every weight, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The word lay aside there in the Greek means to stop, to cease, to put off, to take off, kind of like a jacket. So you can you could translate it stop doing something, cease doing something, or you could translate it take something off or put something off. All those would work in the translation. They chose lay aside. All of it works. Lay aside. Two things that are going to ensnare us. That's what I want to talk about. These are two things that cause us to have difficulty enduring in our relationship with Jesus. Lay aside two things. What's the first one? Lay aside every what? Every weight. How many weights are we supposed to lay aside? Every, all of them. What is a weight? He's, remember, he's telling us, he's not saying, I'm going to take away all your weights. I'm just reading the Bible. The Bible says, let us lay aside. Ooh. 
If, if he's telling me to lay something aside, evidently I have the ability to lay it aside. Now remember, this is not independent of him. This is in conjunction with him. But he's asking for our partnership. I can't lay it aside without him, but he's not going to take it away from me if I will not lay it aside. So here's what is it. Lay aside every weight. What does weight mean? The word weight here in the Greek language is talking about a hindrance, a load or a burden that delays action or progress. I want to submit to you that weights represent this, unnecessary burdens that we have taken upon ourselves. Lay aside every weight, every burden, every issue, things that are out of our control that we've put on ourselves and they become a hindrance, an obstruction, a resistance in our life because I've taken on worries that aren't mine. I've taken on fears that aren't mine. It's somebody else's life, but I've put it upon myself to fix them. These are weights. These are unnecessary burdens that we put ourselves on and we wonder why we're stressed out. It's because I took somebody's burden. You ever had somebody, don't look around, have you ever had somebody, have you ever had somebody that wanted to give you their burdens? Like they didn't really want to deal with them themselves, they wanted you to have them. You got to be careful when you're interacting, there's one, things to, one thing to minister to people, and there's one things to own, another thing to own things for people. There's one thing to walk people through to see and get deliverance and freedom in their life, and there's another thing to say, hey, you know what? You don't worry about that. Just give it to me so I'll stay up all night worrying about it while you're sleeping like a baby. Totally different. He's saying we need to lay aside every weight. And I believe God is telling all of us to examine our hearts right now. What are some weights? What are some things that are weighing us down that are unnecessary stresses that you can't control anyway? Stop worrying about certain things that are happening in the world that are outside of your control. Just stressing and worrying and afraid and I'm just worried to death. I'm just scared to death. I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Stop. Lay it aside, God says. How do you do that? Casting all your care upon him because he cares for us. So we got to get rid of the weights. Lay them aside. What's the next thing he says to get rid of? So if the weight is the things outside of our control, unnecessary burdens that we take upon ourselves that delays our action, our progress. He says the second thing that we need to lay aside is the sin. Sin. Do we still preach on sin in the church? <laughs> People not even going to say amen to that. That's all right. See, because we don't normally like to preach on sin. Because our goal in the Western church is to attract people, not for them to be convicted. And listen, this is where weak preaching has got people in a, in a mix because we're worried more about what people think than what God thinks. I'm not here for fans. I'm not here whether you like me or not. I'm going to be held accountable to the King of Kings someday that I'm going to stand before him and he'll say, I told you not many of you desire to become teachers because you're going to receive a stricter judgment. So step right up, fella. I walk in fear 
of that I'm going to have to answer for what I teach. And the problem is the pulpit became too much about we got to grow the church, we got to grow the church, we got to grow the church, and we stopped talking about the conviction of sin that's separating us from God. But I don't want anybody to feel bad. I don't want anybody to feel bad either. I don't want to feel bad. But still, there is something called conviction. The Holy Spirit says that is wrong. Stop it. Cease it. Put it off. Get rid of it. This is what he's saying. Not because he's mad at us. Holy Spirit never tells me about sin because he's mad at me. He tells me about sin because he loves me. Because he knows that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So why would he truly love me? Just let me go to la-di-da-di-da, keep sinning. Oh, well. Shucks. See, we've got to be careful. Here's what, here's what society has taught us, and man, it has crept into the church. It's fine. Things are in the world is in the world. That, you know, when we were all in the world, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were lost as goose in a snowstorm. It doesn't matter. But once we come into the church, God says, your eyes have been opened. Things should be different. And here's what's creeped into the church, this ideology, this mindset of, well, every, nobody's perfect. I totally get that. That's hardly a news bulletin that nobody's perfect. I mean, really, do we really have to say that? Do we, do we really have to point that out? I mean, nobody's perfect. Here's what happens. We embrace that so much that we start defending known sin in our own life because we'll say nobody's perfect. So I will excuse my sin because we, uh, nobody's perfect, so therefore I will continue in my vice. Everybody's got their vice, right? Everybody's got their little pet sins or project. I will continue in it when God said, listen, I have told you and told you and told you, get that out of your life. And if I go to God, see, if I go to my friends and I say, hey, I'm just struggling in this area, they're going to say, they're going to say, hey, nobody's perfect, I understand. I'm not perfect either. We're measuring ourselves against each other, and we're like, man, I don't want to make you feel bad. So it's good. I appreciate the encouragement. But when I go before God, and I say, hey, Jesus, I know you told me about that, that it's sin, and I'm supposed to stop it and cease it, but nobody's perfect. You think he's going to buy that? He's going to buy it from the context of grace is continually extended as an opportunity for me to repent. He's going to continue to extend grace and say, Chad, come on, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. And he will continue to do that, but he understands the, the progression of sin and what it leads to. James says that when sin is fully conceived, it brings forth death. So we've got to lay aside sin. I don't know what that is for you. I'm not here trying to point yours out no more than I want you to point mine out. But I'm just telling you, we cannot uh, get away from the need to repent from sin, to talk about sin, the things that separate us from God, the things that go against the word of God. How do I know what sin is? I go to the Bible. I don't go to culture. I don't go to Twitter. I don't go to anywhere else. I go to the Bible to understand what sin is because this is what I'm going to be judged by. I'm not going to be judged by culture. I'm going to be judged by the word of God. So he said, listen, you got to lay aside the weights and the sins which so easily ensnare us. Let's go on. And let us run. Everybody say run. What does run mean? Run means to make 
forward progress. Make progress. God did not call us as Christians to pray a prayer one day and then just cruise the rest of our life. He said, keep making progress. Keep growing in our relationship with Jesus, right? Let us run with what? Run with endurance. Ooh. Does that mean it's going to require endurance? If he says run with endurance, that's a good tip, a good pro tip that I may need some endurance to run this race. In other words, what does that mean? I'm going to have, there's going to be opportunities that I'm going to have to stay submitted to something greater than me and stay put when I want to squirm out. You're going to have it, folks. There's going to be times when this Christian walk, if you're going to serve Jesus longer than 24 seconds, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have moments where you get offended either by people, by people, or by people. You have all kinds of opportunities to be offended. You have all, all kinds of opportunities for you to make mistakes, you to fail, you to falter. So it's not if, it's when it happens, right? Be prepared. We've got to prepare with endurance because I should not be shocked when people disappoint me. We've got to walk with our eyes wide open. All of my trust is not in vain. I love him, but I'm not putting all my trust in him. That if he falls, I fall. No, if he falls, I pray. If I fall, you don't fall. Your trust is not in me. Your trust is in Jesus. Bigger amens. So we got to run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set where? It's set before. It's, it's difficult to run the race that's set behind me. How many times are we looking back into our back, into our, pa into our past rather, into our mistakes, into our issues, and we're trying to run the race that's set before us while I keep looking back at what I've done, old relationships, Oh, man, I remember when I was doing that. Remember that was fun? I keep trying to run the race. You know what time? Because our past is a magnet. The more I focus on my past, the more I'm drawn to it. The more I look at it, the more I think about it, the more I meditate. I understand going back and having lion and bear moments. I'm all for that. You know what that is? That's when David said, I remember when I defeated the lion and the bear, and the same God who delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear is the same one. As, you know what? He glanced back to see the victory of the lion and the bear, so he focused on Goliath. Sometimes you may need a glance back, but we don't do a dwell back. Man, that lion about got me. I tell you what, I barely got out of there. Now. Why am I talking like a hick? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Unnecessary accent right there, totally. I don't think Jews talk like that. But you get what I'm saying? Sometimes we go back and we spend too much time on something that God brought us through, and all of a sudden we start having some feelings. We start reminiscing and... <laughs> <laughs> having this stuff that draws us back and God says, hey, move forward. Move forward. Glance back to get confidence on what God has done and then focus, 
Focus forward for what he's going to do. Run with race, the endurance is set before us. Looking, look at verse, verse two, looking unto who? Unto, unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the word looking there just means this. It means to look attentively without having your attention diverted. I'm scoping on Jesus. Chad, you realize what's going on in the world around you? I understand all that, but I'm scoping on Jesus. Do you realize what this person said about you? Do you realize what that person did? Yeah, I know, but I'm scoping on Jesus. Because we've got a race to run. And if I scope on Facebook, and I scope on what they said, How, how can we get upset about things like looking through all of the likes and you're not looking for the likes, you're looking for the absence of one like. <laughs> I don't see their name. I don't see their name. I can't believe they didn't like that. You've got 72 likes and your day is ruined. Because one wasn't there. Look unto Jesus. We're putting too much focus on people. I love people. I'm grateful for people. I'm thankful for people. But to run my race, I can't scope at you. What are they doing? What are they doing? Are they slowing down? Are they speeding up? Maybe I should slow down or speed. Look at Jesus. Why? Because what is Jesus? What does it say? It's Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. You know why we're, we're lacking endurance? It's because we're not keeping our eyes on Jesus as the finisher. I see too many times in our lives where Jesus starts something in us, but we expect other people to finish it. I expect you to do this and this and this and help me on my... You're not my finisher. I'm not your finisher. Be confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So who's the author of your faith? Who's the beginner? Who's the originator? His name is? Okay. So if Jesus started it, then Jesus decides when it's over. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I'm out. I got, I got to quit. I got, I'm going to throw up my hands. I quit. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus started it. You didn't even start it. I didn't start my relationship with Jesus while I was still a sinner. Christ died for me. He started it. And if he started it, then he's the one who says it's over. Stop letting God. Be careful. Some people will tell you. I tell you, oh man, I, I would, I'd be done if I were you. I've, you got to hang around people that's going to keep pointing you to Jesus. Keep scoping on Jesus. Well, what about this happened? This happened. I just want to throw in the towel. No. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for, the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the what? He endured the cross. He endured the cross. He stayed under. He said, oh, quickly. 
Jesus went to the cross. Was it, I, I don't want to make trick questions. Remember in the garden, remember when Jesus was praying to the Father and he said, Father, if there's any other way that this whole salvation deal can come about, I want it. Nevertheless, hupomone. That's hupomone. That's enduring. That Jesus' will was if there's another way than going to the cross, I'm, I'm open to that idea, Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. This is what God is saying. Jesus endured the cross. He stayed under the will of the Father even when it hurt. The problem with endurance in Christianity is because as soon as it starts hurting a little bit, we squirm out. We get out from under it. We get out of that situation. As soon as God puts you in a position that he's trying to mature us, he's trying to grow us up, and he's using some challenges to do it, and you're like, oh, oh, that's not the Lord. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed and highly favored. That was painful. Yeah. Hupomone. Stay. I wrote this thought down the other day because he says that he endured the cross and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father on the throne. On the throne. Everybody wants a throne, but not everybody's willing to endure a cross. You have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.